You could probably guess from the picture on the screen and our hymn choice this morning, we're talking a little bit about maybe Garden of Eden and God's world, and, and uh, we're blessed to have another beautiful day here in the Ozarks. So God, our Heavenly Father, creator of everything good, and, and actually he, he created everything to be good. And this started from what we understand to be the beginning, the beginning of this world and the beginning of us. And I'm going to read a little bit from Scripture beginning at Genesis 1.1. And if you have your Bible with you and want to open it up in front of you or, or one in the pew, we can read together. I don't have to give you page number because it's probably page 1. Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from the sky. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, and that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. I'm going to skip a little ahead, but in the coming days, God made two great lights, the sun and the moon. It says, and God saw that it was good again. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And on the fifth day, it said, let the waters team the living creatures and the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And God also saw that this was good. And God blessed him, it says. And this was the fifth day. And then God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And God saw these and said that they were good. Verse 26, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed and said to them, be fruitful, increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that is fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was so. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. This is the story of creation. This is, this is the story of the world that we live in. The resounding theme is that everything was divinely made by the one who has both power and purpose, and everything is good. 
God's definition of good, which means that it was pure and faultless, the land, the water, the sky, the animals, and, and you. Pure and faultless. And as the psalmist describes in 139.14, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You should know that full well. Used to be a t-shirt that says, God don't make no junk, right? I mean, he makes bad grammar, but, but that's right. I mean, God made you perfect the way you are was his intent and his design. And this is the theme of the message series that I've titled, Imagine. Imagine what the world would be like if we managed and maintained it and viewed it as God had originally created it to be. Imagine what life on this planet would be like if we managed our lives and relationships and viewed ourselves and others as God created us to be. Now this morning we're gonna talk about the world as God intended. And if you're following along, I'm gonna read a little more scripture of the description's place. This is Genesis 2, starting at verse 8. He says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of the land is good. Aromatic resin and pearls and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Esher, and the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said to him, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the word helper here is not a derogatory term. To that point, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the last supper, he tells us, he says, he will ask the father to give them or give us a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. Now, the image of the Garden of Eden is one of beauty, plants, animals, earth, water, sky, just, just a gorgeous place. And the best part, God is there. And did you catch that? He put man in this garden to work it and tend it. Okay, there is a kind of, of work that is enjoyable. And you guys who like the garden, maybe this resonates with you. That, that's not necessarily my thing, but God intends for work to be the kind of thing you enjoy. Genesis 3.8 speaks of, the gar- of God walking in the garden. And in, can you imagine the most beautiful place ever created and you're literally in the presence of God, walking and talking with him as the best friend that he is. And that's the story behind the song that we sang a minute ago in the garden. We know how the story goes. They disobeyed God and they, expe- they were expelled from this amazing place. But I want you to notice something in the story that perhaps you never did before. While still frustrated and disappointed like any good father would be when his children disobey, he took care of their needs. Verse 21 says this, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Remember, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. He was upset, disappointed, discouraged by by his, his creation had disobeyed his one rule, his one rule only at that time. But before he expelled them, he took care of their needs. 
Now here we are countless years later, wishing for the perfect world that God had once created for us. Even if we don't realize that's what we're calling it, that's what we're wanting, right? Do you understand that this is what God wants for us as well? We may not be in the garden anymore, but, but we have a magnificent creation around us, the land, the air, the water, creatures of all kinds, family, friends, and literally billions of God's other children for fellowship. And most importantly, the same God who wants a relationship with you, that desires to walk together with you daily, so much so that he created a way for you to return to his literal presence. And each time one of us makes a decision to accept this wonderful gift, the Bible tells us in Luke 15, 7, that there is joy in heaven for each person who repents. So here you are, wishing for the perfect world that God has created for you, living in the fallen world that we had made it. What are we going to do with our time here? Well, first, we have to appreciate the opportunity, right? It's not God's fault. It's our fault. The world is what it is. But we thank him for the amazing thing that it is. So we give thanks. We speak to God often. And when we do, we tell him, thank you. Not only for what you do for us, but the green grass and the trees and the birds that sing. Second, we need to be a good steward of this world. Take care of God's creation. Our, you know, our blessings and everything God has given you is something to be taken care of. There's parables and stories about, about what people are entrusted with. God has entrusted us with this environment, right? And I'm not talking about doing little things like not throwing trash at you. I'm talking about things like just appreciating it and caring for it and tending to it. Third thing, we have an opportunity to grow our faith. Trust in him in all situations and ask him that risky prayer. God, grow my faith. In this morning's Bible studies, we're studying Acts and we're working through chapter five now. We got to the part where, where a couple of the, the apostles were imprisoned, right? How can it be God's plan for them to be imprisoned? And, and then what came next? We talked about that. And we thought that maybe this good, good God was using that as a tool to stretch their faith. Look, you trusted in me. I rescued you. You did as I asked, and I emboldened you. Your faith has been met with my promise, and now you've got that much for faith for having done it. John 5, 17, Jesus said, My Father is always working, and so am I. This wasn't just a promise 2,000 years ago. It's a promise that lives today. He says, My Father, God, is always working, and so am I, he says. And John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God's got you, okay? No matter what may be coming at you, no matter what challenge you feel like you're facing, you are in God's good hand. And he says, nothing will snatch you away. Last, hone your skills. God has given you certain gifts. And then just like an unused muscle atrophy, if you want to be better at something, you need to practice. So maybe start with those fruits of the Spirit. And we could all use work on one or more of these, right? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and that, that, that last one, self-control, right? I'm not looking at you. I'm making eye contact with the entire room. She's looking back at me because she knows exactly which one of these I need to be working on. It's, it's a lengthy list. But, you know, the truth is this. We could all make improvements in all these areas, right? Love, joy, peace.
peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is our chance to work on these things. Second, while we're here, between the Eden that we were expelled from and the Eden that awaits us, keep your eyes on him and keep a kingdom perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18, Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he continues, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now that, you know, he may, that may have resounded with people at the time, but think about the metaphor of a tent, right? It is a shelter, it is a structure, but it's not meant to be a permanent home. It's just no, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, when it is destroyed, we have a building from God, something substantial, a foundation. Next, trust the process and the one who controls it. In Genesis, beginning at 37, 37, we find the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph was loved by his earthly father and was blessed by his heavenly father. He was favored so much that he had visions, right? And promises had been made to him and his father made him what became known culturally or pop culturally as the, the coat of many colors, right? Joseph, this, this is the Joseph. But he had visions of how God was gonna use him. Now, now, Joseph told his brothers how God was going to use them, and that didn't sit very well with his brothers, who got a little jealous to the point that they decided they were going to kill him, and then they backed off that a little bit. Instead of killing him, they shoved him into a dry cistern just to, to wilt away in the desert. And then they thought through this and had an opportunity and sold him into slavery. Okay? So he sold them into slavery, and, and it's a very good story, again, beginning in, in Genesis chapter 37, going through 50. And if you read the story, you hear about the way that God used this to move, um, to move Joseph into this position of authority and responsibility within Egypt, within Egypt. And if you remember how the story goes, there was a famine in the land that Joseph's family was in. And his brothers came to Egypt to beg for food and, and whatever they could. And who was in charge of giving the stuff out but Joseph? Now, if you were the brothers, would you be not terrified, Right? He could have me killed or worse or do with me what I did to him. But what does he says? He says, Genesis 50, 20. And remember these words, okay? Because we can all use them at some point in our life. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Trust the process and the one who's in control of it. And this is just one example. The Bible is full of stories such as this and history has countless others. And you can probably count in your life, I know I can, where God has used unanswered or prayers that, you know, that I was things that I was praying against to use for his good purpose, right? To good, to accomplish what is now being done. Third, we need to prepare for what comes next. Now, when your time on earth ends or, or when Jesus returns, we don't know you know, which will those will come first? You know, will our time on earth will pass, you know, from this, from this physical body or will Jesus come back while we're still here and, and take us? No one knows which, no one knows when. This is not even the son knows. But our desire is for these to happen, right? 
we love this earth. We love this life. But we are so excited about what comes next. In fact, Hebrews eleven sixteen it says, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. A return to Eden, we'll call it. And that's what heaven's like. Now, we're, we're going to look at Revelations, and that's one of those books that eh, we don't like to read because sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. But there's some good there's some good hope found in Revelations. I'm going to read it, Revelation 21, 1 through 5 again, if you'd like to join. Now we're at the very back of the Bible. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first one in heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bridge adorned for her hus- a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The best part of Eden had come back, or was coming back. And he continues, he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. You see, God is there and will be with us just like in the beginning. Jesus himself will be there as well. From his own words found in John 14, two through three, he says, my father's house has many rooms. You're familiar with this verse. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And he says, and if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Heaven isn't heaven because it's beautiful and streets of gold and whatever you can imagine. Heaven is heaven because that's where God is. Jumping back to Revelations 21, now picking up at verse 21 through 27. It says, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And then from this morning's verse to remember, it says, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. It says, and they will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations. And then there's an interesting passage in Revelations 22 too. It says, in the middle of its streets, On either side of the river was a tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each fruit yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Remember that tree, the tree of life and the tree of good and evil, these things that that got us in trouble? They're our reward when it all comes back. Friends, Adam and Eve had a great opportunity. They had a beautiful, beautiful place to to live and to spend it with God. But they blew it. Before you judge or consider what you would have done differently, ask yourself, would you have fully and completely obeyed God? Would you avoid the thou shalt nots and faithfully pursue the thou shalts? Would you have taken care of the garden, viewed it as a blessing and a joy to do so, to work that way? And would you have treated the person with you well? Would you have taken advantage of the time with God and appreciated him for sharing it with you? 
And before you answer this, consider this. What are you doing now? How are you answering these questions now? Are you fully and completely obeying God? Are you avoiding the thou shalt nots and pursuing the thou shalts and taking care of the garden, taking care of this world and view it as a blessing to do so? Are you treating the people around you well and seeing them as God sees them? And are you taking advantage of the time with God and appreciating him for sharing with you? I challenge each of this week to view this world as the garden or at least the training grounds for the restoration of the Eden that is to come. Don't just imagine Eden, but restore it to the extent that we can. And I challenge you to act boldly in faith by believing in Jesus' comforting words. These are found in Luke 12, 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is what awaits us when we choose him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are. The amazing father, creator, provider, comforter. Lord, you perfectly designed the world. Help us to understand and appreciate what that means. That you did that and we have a place to dwell. Lord, let us never become so comfortable with this tent that we, that we don't have our eyes on the home that is the eternal kingdom, which is where you dwell and where we long to be. But while we're here, let us to walk in faith in accordance with your will to become better, better equipped, better skilled in the things that you want us to do in the next Eden that we share with you. Where work is a pleasure, where worship is constant, where fellowship and love is abundant between people of all kinds, Heaven is heaven because it's your home. And you want us there just as badly as we want to be there, if not more so. So, Lord, this week, let's make that our focus and seek you. Lift up this entire service to you. May everyone who hears it in person or online be blessed and seek you even harder this week. All glory to you. Amen.